fucking read a fucking book. Hey. Yo. What up? <laughs> Nada. Just enjoying this lovely rainy afternoon in Los Angeles. What's the degree? What's the weather there besides rainy, like temperature-wise? Uh, like 55 right now. It is 12 degrees outside. The real feel is four. <laughs> Which is funny to me because you know what I don't ever understand about like the 10, real 10 wins. You give us... <laughs> You give us 20 minutes, we'll give you the world. Um, I always never understand the real feel thing because I'm like, in in like the realm of like 12 degrees, real feel four, do I yeah. really fucking, does my body really know the difference? That's, my body just knows it's fucking cold. Okay, so over the summer here, we had something similar, but see, we go the opposite end of the spectrum. You'd think after I've walked around here in 110 and you'd think after that, it pretty much all feels the same until you go outside in 114. <laughs> and that is just straight up feels like there's no oxygen outside. I Your skin never, is going to melt off. It's insane. Like I like truly like you think after a certain point, it just all feels the same. But at least for heat, I can now say that it does not. Yeah, I I think the only time I appreciate the real feel versus like the actual temperature is when it's like temperature 60, real feel 70. I'm like, oh, okay, like that's the difference between like a long sleeve shirt and a light jacket and just like a long sleeve shirt. Like, all right, I, I get that. But like 12 real feel four, my body is all just screaming. We don't fucking want to go outside. Like I, I, so I, this is actually I'm about to get real, real, you're, you're all about to learn a whole lot level deeper to Anna than you ever needed to know. So when I pump gas, I wear a glove. I, I've always worn a glove. Like a, <laughs> I call it my gas glove. Um, and it's okay. because I've always skeeved the handle of like the gas pump, like okay. my whole life. Anybody from Jersey listening has no idea what the fuck they're, I'm talking about because they've never had a pump gas a day in their life. Glam. So yeah, I and very much like I have a system to how I pump gas, right? Like I get out of the car, I put my glove on, I lock my door with the other car, I put the car, right? Like I have a system to like what touches anything. And this is, again, this is pre-COVID. This I've is always very, uh, this is very Larry David of you. I love it. So I know, keep, keep going. Um, but it's, it's what I've always done. Um, so today though, it was so fucking cold that I threw the complete system out the window. I was like, I was completely going rogue. I was like, I can't stand out here. I don't know what's happening. Like, I just I just need to get back in my car. I, it's like one of those moments where, again, New Yorkers don't really know this. I noticed this too. You know, when you, well, you've probably really never done this, but um, when you pump gas in New York, a lot of the gas pumps in New York City don't have the click, like that it just will stay pumping. Oh, Yeah. It's because people in New York are fucking assholes and they'll just like they go inside. It. Well, they either broke it or they'll go inside and talk to somebody for 20 minutes and they'll hug the pump, right? Like they'll just, so they make you stand there and pump your gas until you're done pumping. I had a, I literally went to a gas station today that I knew had the click in my like <laughs> town to make sure that I didn't have to stand outside and pump. It was like, I just completely went rogue. I was so scared when I got in the car. I pumped my hand with like hand sanitizer like 20 times. I was like, I went rogue on the glove. It was really bad. I'm That's really- how cold it was. I'm really sorry about that experience, but it sounds like you got in and got out pretty successfully. But I was that that made me think of you skeeving the gas uh, pump. Made me think of remember payphones. Oh, like, did yeah. you ever touch a payphone? 
Like when I was a kid, sometimes we'd run up to the payphones and like grab them and my mom would like fucking have her head explode because she feel like she need to fucking give me like a sanitation bath after that. Like I mean, those- you'd have to. Can you imagine though? But that's why I feel like our immune systems are really good because like you're putting your face really close to like something that a homeless person could have had their penis on like two minutes before you Correct. Yep. Honestly, yep. listen, the way I look at it in New York is like, you know, keep yourself keep your hands as clean as possible. Like always wash your hands before you eat anyway. But mm-hmm. like in my mind, everything in New York is just already covered in urine. Like even when I walk up to an ATM, <laughs> like I just assume that it was peed on within the last day or so. Like, cause you know, it's just seems like, and somehow that is like slightly more comforting that everything is dirty. And like, yeah. I've already been living in it so long that I'm just like, it doesn't, um, affect doesn't impact me you. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't, cause over, doesn't really over sanit- I mean, okay, we're in COVID now, but over sanitizing is also not good because mm-hmm. it doesn't help your immune system in any way. So right. it, you'll, definitely- you'll kill, you'll kill the good germs. Right. So this also this definitely don't take this as anti mask, anti whatever rhetoric. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Fucking stay safe. Okay. But you you get you get the gist. Yeah, I would. I like the idea that everything I don't, I've never thought of it that way. But I kind of like the idea that everything in New York has already been peed on. Like, maybe New York kind of missed their calling with like, really, it should have been like the gold covered city or something like that. Or Did like- you know, uh, when I worked at Squarespace, I created a website, which I think is still functioning if I find the URL, but I built a very simple website called <laughs> are you standing in urine.com. And <laughs> I don't know if that's the URL. It might just have defaulted back to the Squarespace URL. So I'll let our fans out there know. But it's just a simple click button website where you click uh, through if you're you live in New York. And so the homepage says, are you outside in New York City? And if you click yes, it says, congrats, you are standing in urine. <laughs> and then if you click no, it takes you to another page. It says, congrats, you're still standing in urine. That smell is you. You've tracked it in the house. It's everywhere. So... That's just like a good That's just and good honest, comedy. It's just re it's <laughs> it's just good reassuring. Comedy. I like that. I anyway. That. Wow. I've never uh I'll never look at New York the same. Thanks. I don't think You're any welcome. of our listeners can either. Can we Listen, call this uh, the everything you're standing in urine? Is that the cut title? I don't, don't want to lead with urine on the <laughs> I don't I don't want the metrics to do what it'll do with that. <laughs> That's not the, the the central point of this episode. You're right. We're not trying to attract the R. Kelly's of the world to this podcast. Listen, that's a good point. Listen. Well, listen, if you like piss play, that's one thing. But if you are a pedophile, that's something else completely. <laughs> we'll allow one. We will not allow the other. Exactly. We're sex positive. So we love but we are not. Fu- but fucking pedophilia is not that. So anyway, right. we're we're going into get sued territory. Let's back up a minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have some thoughts this week. We are talking about okay. Well, this has just been the most entertaining shit to me. Like the we're going to talk about the the GameStop, AMC, like the stock market, Robinhood, the whole fucking works. Um, this has been some of the most entertaining shit I have seen in a very 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 long time, and I. I can't look away. Like, first off, let me let me start by saying I do use Robinhood for my investments and my stocks. I'm not like, oh, let me let me let's pull that back. Anna is not like a serious investor or a serious stock lady. Like I 
I have my stocks that I like, I invest in them, and then I just pray that I don't lose money. That's really the extent of how I invest. Um, but I, after this whole ordeal, I'm probably going to pull my money out of Robinhood and I'm going to put it into something else because I'm, I'm, so I'm not, let's also, let's back up for a second here. I'm also not surprised by what has occurred. So for our listeners who don't know, um, basically the bunch of hedge fund guys, like a bunch of people who, basically people who have an asinine amount of money. And I'm not talking to just about like millionaires, even hundred billion millionaires. I'm talking like billionaires, right? People in the, in the B millionaires, um, they play with all this money. And so the stock market is essentially, as my brother and I were talking about it, it's basically just one big Ponzi scheme. If this has taught you any, any, all of you anything, it's just basically one big Ponzi scheme. So basically this big hedge fund that plays with all this money decided that they were going to short a few stocks. And anytime you short a stock, it's public information. So you can go in and see what, who's, who's shorted what, or what stock they've foreshadowed, like have like a, like have foreshadowed is going to drop or think it's worth less. And so these kids on Reddit or these guys on Reddit um, created this subgroup where they were just like, you know what, for every stock that they short, we are going to go buy up and we're going to make it skyrocket, right? So we're going to fuck with these one percenters, these billionaires and whatnot. And obviously it fucking worked. And so the, here's what the I learned recently too, is that anytime you short a stock, which actually our friend Kristen would do a great, much better job than me of explaining any of these things because she's super knowledgeable on all of this, but um, basically, when you short a stock, you're borrowing somebody else's stock and profiting. Like you basically then whatever you borrow, you then have to eventually pay back. So the more people short stocks, like you you have you owe you will owe money on that back if the if the stock does not drop. So they obviously by shorting like for it started with GameStop, I believe they shorted the stock and. Um, people bought GameStop and it was like through the fucking roof. Like GameStop went from being like $4 a share to yeah. like $400 a share, which is crazy. I mean, it's nuts. not, but it's like, but also it's just like, I've been seeing some really good like meme content come out of this too. It's just <sighs> so like, good. it's because the stock market is nonsensical, honestly. Like it's, it's, it's nonsensical. Like it's funny when like, uh, one of the things I've been seeing is just like when guys get on girls cases for being into astrology, it's like, bro, you believe in the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, that's exactly the same thing. Also, um, I, another great tweet that I just want to pull here from, uh, that I retweeted on my timeline from Justin McDaniel, uh, that's at just in time for a laugh, rich people. <laughs> Why don't why don't poor people just invest their money? Poor people, okay. Rich people, wait, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. Like, no, please don't. So, but people are losing their shit right now because essentially Robin Hood and all these big hedge funds people saw that people like you and me, normal people, the little people, whatever you want to call us, poor um, people, <laughs> the poor people. Yes. But I wouldn't even say poor people because people no, like know. Elon Musk. This is what's so fucking funny to me. People like Elon Musk who hate, hate people who short stocks, AKA these big hedge funds that that's how they make all their money is through shortening stocks. Got in on this. They, Elon Musk was like, I'm going all in on AMC or GameStop and all this shit. And so he put like a million dollars into the stock too. And that also caused it to skyrocket because anybody, everybody else got in. And let me also be clear on this. This is dangerous no matter what, because whoever gets in at like, let's say $400 on GameStop. And then when everybody's like, all right, jokes up, we can, we can dip out now. And the stock goes back down to $4. Like 
someone just lost a shit ton of their money. Like if they put that the whole out. right, the whole thing is to sell before it drops again. Uh, right. but, but do you you know what they did essentially? I almost positive was literally the uh storyline for an episode of The Sopranos. Like you know that episode in season two where they're pumping pump and dump with the fake stock. Like that yeah. is almost literally what they did it is the same thing so mm-hmm. congratulations for living out a real life soprano storyline uh in 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 it's fucking insane like i just it is it's so i think it's really funny i so the reason i can't look away is like i saw like this morning blockbuster tweeted like at reddit like do you think <laughs> <laughs> um, i mean which listen, is fucking fantastic i don't i don't i'm not crying over the one percent like falling no stumbling in any way uh yeah no, it's, i do feel bad for the people like who don't really know what they're doing right like the people who are just like casual investors who are like you know they're on instagram or they're on twitter and they're like oh i gotta go buy gamestop like this is what we're doing we're gonna go buy gamestop okay cool like let me get in on that but yeah here's where the here's where the fucking fuckery comes into play right now is that robin hood and a few other companies because of what was happening shut down trading to these companies which oh yeah is to me like and again none of this surprises me because we knew from we've always known this fucking bernie sanders has been saying this from the beginning people like i think like anybody who's really tried speaking on this has been saying the same shit for the last 40 30 years or whatever this is everything that they've been talking about right like it's yeah the the one percent or or whatever you want to call it they fuck with your money. Everything is a game to them and they'll always stay rich because they will manipulate anything to continue to stay rich. Right. So I hope if anything, this has taught us the power of when the other 99% come together, right? Like, because this has also become one of those things that's like, it's pretty non-political the way people are right now. They're going to find a way to make it political, but it's pretty non-political right now, right? Like you have people, I think Dave Portnoy, he's like the the. Ah, uh, don't guy. don't I can't fuck with him. No, he, we're not. He had a tweet yesterday, but he had a tweet yesterday. That's true. It says, "You know, you really fucked up when AOC and Donald Trump Jr. are agreeing on the same thing. Like oh, you okay. really fucked up." Yeah, that's what I mean. Like he he was also he was really pissed about all this stuff yesterday, and um, I, he was throwing on his little tirade. But he even said that that this is like not a political. This is like you know you really fucked up when people who are essentially like opposite end of the spectrum, even politically are like, this is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's funny. Like, I mean, it's funny because I didn't lose any money, but I was worried a little bit yesterday that somehow this was gonna, I use stash. I don't use Robin hood. Um, and that's been pretty good for me. Uh, and I have some money invested, not much, but like, uh, I say not much, but it would be a lot to me if I lost it. So like, of course, you know, but But uh, I I hope this teaches us when the 99% come together, you do have a lot of power. Like you can actually manipulate things into your favor too. It's just, and it was never about, um, my, one of my former bosses said this to me yesterday and she's fucking amazing. And I will, I just adore her. She was like, maybe people will see that this was never really about Democrats and Republicans. Like, maybe people will start to see this. This has always been like a, a rich versus the poor. Oh, 100%. Um, we could we can go on forever about this. In fact, uh, well, our thing today, one of the is our, our main topic for the day <laughs> is uh, books. And so we are big fans of hashtag read a fucking book. 
Yes. Um, oh my God. I love when we break things back. I know. Right. Uh, but uh, speaking of when you said rich versus poor, it just reminded me, I read uh, the new Jim Crow a couple years back <gasps> and there's a whole section in there about how, um, you know, the wealthy white, uh, you know, slave owning elites mm-hmm. basically pitted the poor whites against the black community because yep. That, but knowing well knowing that they had more in common than anything else Correct. but wouldn't it wouldn't benefit them in any way but yet this was the narrative that was being pushed anyway so that i am using to segue into our main book discussion today which i'm yes. very excited about i'm i'm so fucking excited our our uh, listeners know how much you and I, add. I think I feel like at almost every single podcast episode at this point, we have uh, referenced a book we've read or love or currently reading. And like, at this point, I'm like, we've actually never really talked very much about this, but I read um, the new Jim Crow. It is an actual, it's an absolute amazing book. But when I went to, um, I can't remember what civil rights museum it was. I think it might've been the one in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, where, Martin Luther King was actually shot. They turned that mo- mm. they turned his hotel, he was the Lorraine Hotel, yeah. into a civil rights museum. And there's like a letter, like from when he was in Birmingham jail, there's like notes where he basically said, like he was asking the the corrections officers at the time or who, people who were working in the jail, like, yo, how much y'all make? Like how much yeah. do you need to keep the like us in here right now? Right, right. And it was basically like pennies, right? Of course. And he's like, and him and his people were like, y'all should be marching with us. Like, right. We're, we're, if you were smart, like you would recognize that what we're also fighting for is for you, but you're right. Like basically the, the haves and the have nots, right? Like these people who looked like them sold them on a dream. That's like, Hey, you could be like us too, because you don't look like that. Right. So they basically pitted them against them. But a lot of what I've like read, I, so we say like, read a fucking book. But it's really fucking true. Like the it amount is. of of knowledge that really like reading is knowledge or knowledge is power, blah, blah, blah. Like it's so fucking true. Where did and, you get so much of your love for for reading? Uh, Well, when I was like a kid, my mom read to me a lot. Um, actually, I just put on my wish list on bookshop.org, Streganona, uh, because <gasps> I found it. And I that was one she used to read to me all the time. Uh and that one and the and the children's book Martha speaks about a talking dog, um, but I found Stregonona, so I fully plan on owning that just for sentimental reasons. But mm-hmm. uh, my mom read to me a lot, um, and then as I got older, every year for like my birthday or, um, you know, or Christmas, they would get me a couple books. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't know. It's like how do you know you like reading? I I think some people just like reading more than others. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe if it's introduced young, like you have a better chance of enjoying reading. Um, But I like I don't know. I just always remember it being like a big thing for me. My sister, not so much. Now she really likes to read. But like when we were growing up, it wasn't really her thing. Like, uh, I mean, she read for school and stuff, but she wouldn't Mm -hmm. like, you know, so and we both had very similar, you know, childhoods. Like my mom, I remember when I was in like the first grade, she would buy me books. Um, I don't know. I was always like praised for reading, too. I think that makes a big difference for kids. Like you need to like praise them for it. Like in school, we used to have like, you know, the book reading count and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm a maybe it's just appeals to my competitive nature at the time. But I was like, I want to read the most books. But I like truly enjoyed doing it. Like I would read like books to the class. And then when, 
you know, I'd finish a book and my mom would tell me, it was like, well, that's like a little bit of an advanced reading level, you know, Mm -hmm. like I liked that. So I just kept like pursuing books and I don't know, I've always like ever since then, I guess, uh, yeah, it's just always been an appeal to me. Yeah. I think, is your mom like a big reader or you're like, you know, what's crazy? Neither of them read like at all anymore. I, I don't know if they did when they were younger, but like now I like if I I have so many books that I'm like oh they might like this I they just won't I just know that they won't but yeah you know I mean it's fine like it's just so weird but that somehow like turned me into a like a big reader like my, like I don't even know if they did when I was a kid like aside from what they were reading to me but they mm-hmm. made it a real point to make sure that I liked to read and I don't know if even that was just because they felt like I would do better in school or yeah. you know whatever it was but I mean those all those things happened too so. Um, but yeah, where, where's your, uh, where's your origins? I would, so my mom, I, I, that's why I was like, maybe I I figured it would be your mom, but my mom was a big, like, I remember like if I would lay, like, you know, it'd be like nighttime or whatever and I'd go kiss her goodnight and she was still in bed. Like I would see that she had a book in her hand and I knew if like her, I always knew like when her nightlight was on, like she was reading, um, very similarly, like I, she would read to me a lot as a kid. Like I used to make so Stregonono is like one of my favorite fucking books. I feel like it's like a staple in every like Italian American kid's life. Um, that author, didn't she recently pass? It's a it's a dude, but yeah, they they passed away last April. Oh yes, yes. I was like, I feel like he oh well, sorry, it was a he. Um yeah, I feel like he recently passed. I'm thinking, um oh yeah, her her what was his her grandson, Anthony. Is that his name? Who's the Anthony? the guy in the who's the boy in the book that always fucks things up and forgets the in Stregonono? Oh my God. You're, that's why I need to read it again. That's why I'm at a loss. I do not remember. I got to look that up for you all. But um, yeah, I just remember as a kid, like I would always make my mom, like anytime I would read, like if I was reading like a children's book I, I, and she was reading it to me, I would make her like change the characters in the book to be like people we actually knew. Um, like I just, I just like loved getting lost in a, in a story even as a kid. And then as I got old, like maybe like as I got a little bit older and I learned how to read, do you remember the first book you learned how to read? It was uh, it was a book about mummies when I was six years old. Uh, I was in the first grade, and I know because I read it to the class, but I don't remember the name of the book specifically. But yeah, and I loved it because it was like it had like all these cool pictures in it and stuff. And yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, mine was my mom made me take piano lessons. <laughs> I, I remember the book, and I was so excited because I too had to read it to the class. But it was the first book I learned how to read um, by myself, and I was so so hyped. And then just from there, like, um, when I was a kid, I used to really love the Cam Jansen series. And then there was like these, like, uh, it was like a Daughters of the Moon series. Like, I just got really, really into it. And so anytime my mom went to the mall or went to a store, she would bring me back a book. Oh, amazing. Well, I was going to, my next question was going to be, did you have the book fair at your grammar school? Because we had the Scholastic Book Fair that came and that was like (laughs) a big deal. And like, I don't know about you, but my parents were very much like, you don't get gifts outside of Christmas and birthdays, but books, mm-hmm. I could buy books and music. Like if we went to like, you know, anywhere, it's like, I could always get a book at the book fair. Like that doesn't count. Like, mm-hmm. so, uh, I would buy so many fucking books. <laughs> we, so my mom, I remember when it was like the Scholastic Book Fair, I would always beg. Um, that's when I, I remember, I remember like my first series I bought from the Scholastic Book Fair was the Shiloh series. The dog, it was like a dog. <gasps> Yes, I had those so, too. So, so good. So those, and then the American Girl doll series when I was a kid, like, so when we came, American Girl doll was our 
generation. And I want to fucking clarify because whatever they have out now is not the real thing. I own an original Samantha doll, which was one of the original five. Yeah. And that was the shit. Like I was obsessed. My mom would buy me for Christmas, like an American, another American girl doll series book. Like I would read, I would, I would like get through them in like a day. Did you ever get in trouble? Cause you would try to read at the table. No, I pretty much, we, we didn't No, I never tried to read at the table. I never like read outside of somewhere. I didn't like to read. So even now, like I like to read like distraction free. Like I can Mm. have like, like lyricless music in the background. Like I'll put on my little jazz playlist sometimes. Uh, But I can't like read with like people talking or like, you know, I just, cause I, I like to zero in and focus. Mm. I read something uh, online that's just like, everybody knows uh, reading is just looking at a dead tree and hallucinating. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, that is so true. Oh my God. That's the most uh, accurate shit I've ever heard in my entire life. But it is. But anyway, so like, I don't know, like, because I th- I just need that space. Like, I need that, the space for like, to really absorb everything. Like, I, I'm like one of those people that needs like, not, I mean, I've read on the train and stuff and that's fine. Like, but usually I, I can't read. Like, did you read at the table? Is that what you? <laughs> yeah, I used to get, I used to get yelled at. So I used to get yelled at by my, like my grandmother because anywhere I went, I would usually bring a book with me. Do you, do you do that like anywhere? It's just like, oh, just in case, like, I don't know if I'm going to get stuck anywhere. I, like, I'll bring yeah, a book. I still do that. Like, I always have a book in my bag, no matter where yes. I go. Yeah, yeah, same. So I used to get in trouble, like, um, like if we would go out on like, like, a, like, I'm trying to think, like, we would go out to like dinner or something like that. And there was like a 45 minute wait. I'd be like, oh, perfect. I got my book. Like, <laughs> while I sit and wait, and I would get yelled at because it's like, hello, like, Join the rest of us, would you? That's rude. Like, talk to us or entertain us. I'm like, we're waiting yeah, for a yeah. fucking table for 45 minutes. Like, I'll see you there. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, but I used to get yelled at, and then eventually, um, I think. I mean, no, I still kind of get yelled at sometimes too. But eventually, I think my parents just gave up because they just knew that I would read. And I, I wonder. And I, like you said before, like there are people who read, and then there are people who read much more than those people that read, right? Like, so. I'm always so interested by people who are like, I don't read. Like, I'm not a reader. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. Like I said, my sister really didn't for a long time. But then she, this is what she told me as we are kind of doing our sisterly book club currently. Um, uh, She said that she realized that, you know, she just wasn't looking in the right genres of things she actually liked to read. So, um, you know, and I will say, I think... I think it's important to read now, especially because, um, and I feel I've felt this and that's why I say this, um, you know, because we're so used to digesting information in like these little clips Mm -hmm. and like, you know, just like scrolling and like, it's very easily to be distracted. And so like, it's so nice. Like when I like sit down to read, like at the end of the day, like I put my phone on the other side of my house. Like, I don't want to, because if it's there, I'll look at it. And it's like, I can't do that. Like, it's kind of like when I go see a baseball game. Like, if you try to contact me at a baseball game, you probably won't reach me because my phone is in my bag and I'm throwing peanut shells all over the floor because I'm (laughs) just focused on what is in front of me, you know? Uh, So I think reading is that good way to be, is, is even a good exercise in like mindfulness because you're just focusing on what it is right then and there in front of you. Oh, and it's like a muscle. Um, right. 
So, yeah, I mean, I don't know why people, you know, some people just don't, I don't know. I, I don't judge anybody that says that they don't like to read, but, um, you know, everybody's got their own reasonings behind why they, why it's not their jam and that's fine. But well, I yeah. can't imagine, like, I just can't, like, I, I'm like that, that like, I'm not like a hippie about anything, but I truly am when it comes to books. Like, I'm just like, books will take you everywhere. <laughs> like, they, but they will. My, I don't remember, but like, I don't know who said it or I just remember like one of my teachers being like, especially when I was in college, he was like, the best way for us to never know the truth is put it in a book because people, most people won't read it. Like, so you want to know where like all the truth is, right? Like, so he was talking about like historical context. Like, yeah. He's like, I'm not talking about like textbooks. I'm talking about like people's stories, people's narratives, people's lives who lived it. Like you want the truth, like put them in books because most people won't read it. And so ever since then, I mean, like I said, I've always loved books, but ever since that professor, I was pretty early on in my career, my college career too, said that to me, I had like this notion where I was like, I need to know everything. Like I need to know, I need, I need every book. I need to read everything as much as possible. I need my brain to absorb it all because I don't want, I don't want to be like not aware of other people's stories or I don't want to ever say that like I could have learned and I chose not to, but, and, and granted, like, I know that's a big, heavy feat, right? Read everything, right. read all the things. That's a, that's a, that's a laundry fucking list of right. like tasks. But I think that's what also turned me onto it so much because I, um, actually my friend and I were having this conversation earlier this week, like schools, right? Education systems, things like that. Like, we, there's a whole, there's a whole, um, there's a whole issue with how we teach education and, and history, right? Like, or things like that, or truths in our schools and in our education systems and whatnot. Um, so my friend and I earlier this week, were talking about like racism and, and all these like really, really complex stories that I'm not going to dive into, but he asked me, why don't we learn these things in school? And I was like, huh, what, that's like the best question you could ever ask. Like, well, let me tell you, because we're not, again, going back to what my professor said, the truth is better hidden in a, in a book, not a textbook. Now textbooks have their, like, those are, that's a whole other type of, you and I are not talking about the love of reading textbooks, but <laughs> that's a whole different thing. But because it is so much easier for us to like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, not like watered down essentially be, the truth of what these things like, are. Be ignorant to what it is. Yes. Like, it's just so much easier. I think like, um, one of, so one of my really good friends is a journalist and one of her exposés during black history month a few years ago was how we teach black history in schools and looking at history textbooks. And some of them were like, would refer to like slaves in these textbooks as, um, like servants. Mm, right. Like, which is like, that. yeah, like that's not accurate. And like the pictures that were shown in it, actually she, what the people, one of the people that was in the, the, uh, like the production project was Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, who wrote How to Be Anti-Racist. If anybody has not read it and wants like a really fucking amazing book, he is, I love him. Like I just get goosebumps when I think about him. He's fantastic. But um, that's who that's who she like had on the project, like kind of like dissecting these textbooks. And he very much said a similar narrative. Like you won't find truth in these things. You'll find truth in a, in these books, like in books that actually exist. And there is an argument though that, well, there are books that, negate that truth, right? Like you can find these other type of books. So it's like, how do you know? And I'm like, well, to me, reading makes you a critical thinker. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, 
what was that quote? I quoted our gal Fran on that on our pretend it's a city episode, uh, where she says, uh, what is it? Think before you speak, like read before you think, I believe was the mm-hmm. quote. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because it does. I mean, listen, but also like, you know, I was just thinking about how some people will read, you know, I, I like, like you read to your interests, correct? Like, yeah, yeah. do you always like, I mean, I will, if I find something interesting, like I will go outside and get a book on something that is a little bit outside my realm that I'm maybe not mm-hmm. as well versed in. Um, but even reading to your interests, like, benefits you in some way, if that makes any sense. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah I, I do the same thing you do, though. Like, if if there's something I don't know, who's the expert on this? How the, right. What book have I written, right? Like, how do I, how do I dissect that? Like, I, and I really think so much of, like, my social justice identity, right. like, I got it from school, right? Like I got it from the career I was hoping to, I, I wanted to pursue. And even like, as, as when I applied to law school, like this is another it's a focus area for me, but so much of my identity or learning around it didn't even come from school. It became from, I didn't know what I didn't know. Who's the expert on this? Now right. let me go read. And a lot of this shit makes you uncomfortable, right? Like, Oh yeah. I've read, I, I just, uh, what is it? I, I told, as I said, I read the new Jim Crow. I just finished reading the color of law, how to be an anti-racist is on my list. So um, good. but I I, you know, I and that's, that. that's what I mean. Like stuff that I am not like that I would like to be better versed on, you know, then I will go get a book on that. And to me, that's the best way to absorb yes. information. Uh, mm-hmm. but also speaking, you know, from my personal experience as a writer, like I need to read like that's, yeah you know, it's what inspires me aside from like listening to music. And, um, you know, I've never, I never know, like, I've never heard a writer, you, you won't find a writer that, that, that doesn't read an, a tremendous amount. Oh I yeah. I would you agree know? with that. I think it's um, because like you said, it inspires so much. Right. Yeah. Where, where would you say though, that like for you, um, like, like you said, read to your interests, how do right. you like find books then that are like that you know are going to be within your interest or within your realm? Well, uh, you know what I started doing recently? I follow writers that I really like on Instagram and I like mm-hmm. creep through their posts and I just I also see what they're reading because if I like their work, I'll probably like the work that they're reading. And that's how that's I've gotten a lot of stuff. Um, Hanif Adurakib is one of my favorite uh, writers. Yeah, that I discovered in like the past couple years. Um, I would say in most, in at least like the most recent memory, his uh, book "They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us" is mm. probably one of my favorite things that I've read in a really long time. Um, but so, how do I find things to my interest? Well, I find stuff like that. I will. I, I use Goodreads a lot uh, mm. to you know to keep track of. It's good because like if you keep track of the stuff you like, then it'll recommend more stuff that you'll probably like. So using that is always a good tool. And then like, I just get in moods for things like I'm sure. And let me know if this is the case for you as well. But like, you know, I spent a couple months, you know, in my homesick period where all I wanted to read was books about New York or that took place Mm -hmm. in New York, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but then maybe I'm oversaturated with that. So now I want to read books on Italian soccer. So I read a couple books on that. Um, and then again, like ex- expanding my like realm a little bit, like one of these writers that I really liked, I saw was reading this new book called Glitter Up the Dark. 
and it's all about like pop music. And I'm like, I don't, I listen to pop music, maybe not as much as I did before, but, um, you know, I don't, I would love to know like more ins and outs about that. So that's on my list to pick up. Um, so yeah, I don't know how, how, yeah. So like, how do you, how do you kind of like curate those interests? So I've never went the Instagram route or thought like, let me look at my favorite authors and go from there. I will say podcast is probably the biggest way that I get a lot of my book recommendations right now. Like I, I have a few podcasts that I really, really love like Brene Brown. So obviously she's one of my favorite writers and someone I really, really look up to. Um, and so a lot of work that she puts out, a lot of her interviews and podcasts every week are based. A lot of the people that she's interviewing have books that just recently came out. So like, I'll add some of those to my, to my list. If I feel like it will pique my interest. Like she just interviewed, um, I can't remember his name because I'm still listening to the episode, but he wrote a book called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. And so I'm like, okay, I really love the interview. I really kind of like like what he has to say. I'll probably put it on my list of something that I'm, I'm going to want to read at some point. But then I also will look at a lot of what my, so I use Goodreads. I look a lot at what my friends are reading, like especially people who I really value, like I really value how they live their lives like authentically. Right. And so, because they're going to be similar to me in the realm of that, like they really love books too. Um, and so I kind of look at like what they read and then I, I take those recommendations to heart. Like I will pretty much if like, I have like three people that I usually go to for all my book recommendations. If they tell me to read a book, you can almost bet I'm going to read, I'm going to buy that book and read it. Like it's, it, I, it's, it's, they're just like my go-to people. Um, and I also appreciate that they themselves will always push themselves out of their comfort zone. So I know that they're not just going to give me the same type of thing over and over again. So I really value that. But I just did a massive book order because – so I told myself while I was applying to law school I wasn't allowed to read for fun. Oh. I kind of punished myself a little bit because for me it was like if you have the free time to be reading, then you need to be putting your effort towards – That's smart. That's smart. Yeah, your applications, studying for the LSAT, all that stuff. So I told myself that I wasn't allowed. I broke it twice in like seven months, which – that's pretty is, good. Yeah, I feel like it's really fucking good. Okay, I only broke it twice in seven months. And then one was to read, um, oh God, what was the book I read? Um, White Supremacy and Me. And that was because it was kind of like a book club for for like work with like my friends from work. And then, which is also a really great book if anybody wants to read it. And then the other one was just like brain candy. So for me, I need to, as uh, I really obviously like to read things that are not easy, that make me a little uncomfortable. Like I have to like, put it down and then pick it back up again, put it down, pick it back up again. But I need to alternate it with like brain candy. So like, I still love YA books. Like I'll read, it depends. Like if it's like Twilight YA, I can't fucking do it. But like, if you're giving me like a good that story. Book, that book is not well written. No, it's and, an awful book. And I, I, anyway, I will leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. But like, I do like, so one of my favorite, I, I will like plug this and plug this and plug this because it is like, it's one of my, do you reread books? It's rare. I often say after I read a book, like I'm so like, even if I really enjoyed it, I wish I could erase my memory and read it again. Like, so I would be reading it for the first time. Uh, the only I've actually thought about reading rereading they can't kill us until they kill us again because it's very rare I have to really love it um mm-hmm. you know just because I like receiving that information new for the first time something I don't know yeah it's so I, even I if it's not 
it's an, even if it's not like I just read a mystery novel, which I really don't read too many of those. Uh, but it was really good. But I'm like, even if it's not like in that genre where you're waiting for the reveal, it's just like, I don't know. I wish I could just like wipe it clean and then read it again. I I used to be the same way, but I actually do enjoy reread. There's like a few books that I can like go back and reread, especially like again, brain candy. I don't need to yeah. think. It's just right. a good story. Um, I, I will say, that. I will say, of the last book I remember rereading was Amy Poehler's Yes Please. Uh, and I reread it, I think, two years ago after I read it the first time. And I really it was like I was coming. I was it was at the start of a new year and I like really needed that like uplifting yeah. attitude. And Amy Poehler is one of those writers that'll, uh, you know, she'll, do it. Yeah. she'll, she'll uh, give that to you. Yeah, I used to be that way. But now so I, lo- I like love my bookshelf. I I love, love, love my bookshelf. It makes me so happy every time I look over and see it. So I will occasionally reread books that I haven't read in a in a while so the series the YA series that I plug all the time it's called the selection series and the basically the best way I can describe it is it's the Hunger Games meets the Bachelor it's so fucking good like it is so 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 good it's really well written it uh it'll leave you on the edge of your seat a couple of times there's I think there's three or four now I have like all of them on my shelf but I will go back and reread those books similar to Harry Potter, like I'll throw in like, oh, I really want to go read the third Harry Potter. Like I'll go read that again. But um, I need that breakup in my mind between like something heavy, like something fun or like I also really try hard. My friend uh, actually kind of got me into this. I try really hard to read books from authors that don't look like me or have like similar life experiences. Yes. Yeah, totally. So um I, I really try hard. So I just bought like six or seven new books. And I would say at least half of them are all from either women of color or hold a different marginalized identity. Um, if they, or if they are a man, like, again, they also hold a marginalized identity, like just something that's very different than yeah. me. Agreed. Um, yeah. I think it's important to have that mix. Um, I will often do the same. Uh, I, it's hard. But that's it, hard. Is, it is hard. I try to seek out women writers a lot. Yeah. Um, if possible. Um, well, the field is oversaturated by white women. I know. White, that's, you know what I mean? So that's why it's yeah. so hard. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, and yeah, I, we just, we don't need any more of that. But um, <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, it, it's it's hard, but it's good to make a conscious effort to do it. I really love that you got me into bookshop.org. I didn't know that was a thing. I was ordering all my books on Amazon before them because I'm an impatient bitch and I need them immediately. Um, but now I'm going to use bookshop. I haven't ordered a, a book, a, like I haven't ordered any new books yet because um, mm-hmm. my sister and I, a couple months ago, I mentioned our little sister book club we do. We actually do book of the month together. And sometimes we pick the same books. The first couple months we did. And now we're starting to like wane on some of our interests. Mm -hmm. They don't intersect as much anymore. Uh, But you can, it's really great. I highly recommend it for anyone that likes to read because I believe I pay like 15 bucks a month and Mm -hmm. you get a book that's honestly worth more in that than value. It's all Mm -hmm. hardcover. Mm-hmm. And you can do an add-on book. So this month we again picked different books that we wanted for February, um, but uh, but you can do an add-on. So we did an add-on book for the city we became, which is like some. It's all about New York, and it's like supernatural stuff going on in New York. Oh, so, 
So we're very excited about it. But yeah, we so we've been just like kind of check in. And even when we don't pick the same book, we're kind of just like, oh, this is really good or, you know, X, Y, Z. So book of the month has been a great quarantine. They're not sponsoring us. I would love it if they did, but I'm going to plug them anyway, because I really yeah. have enjoyed them so far. We plugged a few things, Goodreads, bookshop.org. So bookshop for the thing Cola was talking about, and I can um, kind of post it on our Instagram at one point, but it uh, supports locally owned bookstores. So instead of you being an impatient bitch and going to Amazon for your books, you can support local stores and they'll local bookshops and they'll, they'll ship you the books. Um, it is a little bit more expensive, but again, you're not paying it to a big corporation. You are supporting a small business. That's pretty much the only way I've been buying my books recently. If I am purchasing books. Um, I think the other thing that I forgot to mention was something that made me love reading so much. And I don't know, um, if you remember this at all, but when you got your first New York or Brooklyn library card. Yes. Uh, we, okay. So here's you. Thank you for jogging my memory about that. I did get a Brooklyn library card. My doctor's office where we would go when we were sick was right next to our library. So I always felt like, like if I wasn't feeling good, my mom was like, let's go to the library and pick out a book. Um, but even, even when we were well, the library wasn't that far from my house. So we would go and, um, yeah, sometimes I got a book if my I parents didn't feel like spending money. The Brooklyn Public Library. I loved going to my local library. Like the like I used to get like butterflies when I would walk in the door because I'd be like, I it's know. this. I oh, know. Yes. Like you just could get so, so excited. And um I definitely I like I'm trying even as an adult, I'm like, that's really what I should be doing is like putting a lot of my like effort towards like a local library. The issue is is that I just don't you like the way Connecticut's kind of set up is it's just like so weird how they, based on your towns and the library, yeah. like for us, it's like you're in fucking Brooklyn, you get a Brooklyn library card. Like you can go anywhere as long as you're in Brooklyn and get, and get like a book at a library. Right. I do have a library card. I think I have a virtual library card here. I didn't go and get the, here's the thing now that like, I'm very fortunate to have a, a still be working and I have a job and that pays nice and you know I, I I even when I was a kid and we would go to the library I loved the library so much and I mm -hmm. loved that I had so many options but I love books so much so I'm like I want to keep this like I mm -hmm. don't want to give it back so I was like as much as I loved the library I'm like you know what I do love I and I it's going to be on my list as soon as I come home the big library in the city I had a <gasps> I had a library card for that too um, because when I took AP English senior year, mm -hmm. we had to go there and do like research and they taught us how to look shit up in ways that is like completely irrelevant now. You're talking about but, the one that's not that far from Grand Central, right? The one with the big lines. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, so I just love being in there. It's perfect. It's quiet. You can just work. It's just like, oh my God, if I like, if I like that, I would love to build that out in my home one day. <laughs> I that's so funny you say that because so as like a as I've been like applying to everything and like I'm even thinking about when it comes to if I'm back in school for me I do my best work in a library which is funny because that in college I never stepped foot in my library to do work but like in high school like I always needed like a quiet space kind of like a library yeah. space um so I've really been struggling um in COVID right now during these times where I'm like I do my best work in a library and I don't have access to one right now. Um, I yeah, actually, I love them. 
I actually loved the library in my college. When I was a uh, sorority pledge, I used to go there and hide because no one ever fucking went in the library. <laughs> um, but also, like, I would go there to take naps on long days. Uh, but mm-hmm. I would also go there to just, like, we had these great – like, no one was ever in there. It was insane. I'm sure pe- people used to fuck in there, too, just for that reason. But, like, Smart. I would go down there and I would read – uh, because I know, like, I mean, there was a bunch of other social spaces. We spent a lot of time in the cafeteria and the student lounge. Mm-hmm. But, like, I just, like, if I was down there, like, I knew I was going to end up talking to somebody. And, like, that's it. Like, there goes my whole free time. Like, if I really wanted to read, like, I would mm-hmm. just go in the library. No. And, oh, it was the best. There was no cell phone service there. And it was just, oh. like, you will not know where I am until I go to my next class. Like, and it was great. I loved it. Oh. I miss libraries. Um, yeah, Brooklyn definitely gave me my love of libraries. Um, so what are you reading right now? So I'm actually waiting for my next two book of the months to come. I'm actually finishing up a graphic novel. I don't know how much you like graphic novels, but um, you've, I found a really good series called Deadly Class uh, by Rick Remainder. And uh, I've been enjoying that. So I'm on like the fourth one of that. And I'm just kind of in limbo waiting for my next two books to arrive. But I read five books already this month. So what? Uh, yeah. That's amazing. I, That's so well, amazing. I, my, my Goodreads for the year is going to be 50. So let's hope if I stay on track, I'm definitely going to hit it. But last year I read 42 books and I just basically, that's how I spend my free time. Like lunch break, reading, wake up in the morning, read before work at Mm -hmm. night, read before I go to bed. Like, I don't know. I just, that's most of my time is that. So I feel the same. Like, like when I'm getting ready for bed at night, I'm like, do I turn the TV on right now? No, I want to really, I want to read my book. Like I'd much rather fall asleep. Unless there is like a show that just came out that I'm like, I'm going to watch this. And truth be told, I'll probably watch the whole show in like two days anyway. So then like, it's not like I'm spreading it out, you know? Yeah. Uh, But uh, what are you currently reading? So I just, again, I'm finally able to read for fun again. So um, I've had this book for a while. I wanted to read it. It's called The Sleepwalker's Guide to Dancing. It's by Mira Jacob. Yes. And it is so, so good. I was kind of saying this to you before. A lot of her, she she writes, she's an Indian woman or, and she writes about like the stories based on this character who's also Indian, who lives in New Mexico, but kind of also uh, lives in Seattle. And her family dynamic just reminds me so much of like, especially the mother-daughter relationships and the mother-father, like the mother- daughter and mother and father's relationships are so relatable. Um, I've gotten a lot of my, I've highlighted a few quotes that I really, really do love. Um, But I'll just like read the one that like just made me so, so happy. It's from her mother. And remember she's, she's Indian. So they're very, very into their, the culture. It's like all it's throughout all of the writing and it's just so well done. Um, But she says, her mother says to her, "The the commodification of beauty is an economic trap designed to enslave the modern woman. Oh, and I love she's, that. She's, yeah, she's so basically she's like telling her mom like why she doesn't really want to get married and all this stuff. And um basically like to an Indian mother, that's like the worst thing that you could ever say to your mother is you don't really want to get married or anything about like how you look to anybody. Um, but I highlighted it because I'm like, that's something that can like, while it's so popular in the culture in which she's speaking about, that could be said for so many other like we can drop that book, we could drop that line and say it to any other culture too, right? Like, oh, one hundred. We just do that to our mothers, like when they're telling us about the same thing about how we need to be married and right, like and how we need yeah. to look for man traditionally or like in general uh, towards the, how we have to present ourselves to the world. But I thought that was such a that was probably I, I mean I have a few that I really love from the book, but that was my most favorite one. 
that I've highlighted so far. I love that so much. I know it's, I, I do you, I, I, you, oh my God, I can't spit out words today. You highlighted it. I never read without a pen in my hand because Mm -hmm. no matter what I'm reading, I will always find something I can relate to. Even if I'm not reading, but from an author that looks anything like me or Mm -hmm. is anything like my experience, you'll, I always manage to find something, but um, I, I brought this up to you before we started recording, but uh, one of the books I really liked that I read last year in quarantine is Never Can Say Goodbye. And it's a collection mm-hmm. of essays from writers uh, and their unshakable love for New York City. And oh my of course, gosh, you. Yeah. Well, yeah. And well, it's one of two. Uh, the other one is called Goodbye to All That, which I read before I moved writers uh, on uh, loving and leaving New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one seemed appropriate to read since I've been so homesick, mm-hmm. but uh, I just wanted to read a quote that is almost literally my experience when I when I did leave New York. So it says, by 27, I watched the night mostly from my window, sitting on the radiator with the growing awareness that as much as I love New York, we just weren't right for each other anymore. We needed time apart, and because New York would never be the one to reject me, I knew I had to be the one to end things, at least for now. I'd loved New York so faithfully for so many years, but I needed something else. I thought this day would never come, but here it was. Oh, my God. That just made me very emotional. I literally left New York at 27. So, Mm -hmm. And you knew you had to break up with her. Yeah. You had to break up with her. Oh, my God. It made me very emotional. That was... Anna's crying, y'all. I made Anna cry. That made me very emotional. Um, The last thing I'll ask, and this is just because I think I'm going to do it for our poll this week, is hard, like hardcover book, like hand and copy, or like an e, like an ebook, like a nook or something like that. Oh no, fuck ebooks. I can't do that. Uh, Books smell nice. Oh my god! I did not think that was going to be your response to why hardcover. Um, I thought you were going to be like, "Oh, I need to be able to feel the story in my hands." I mean, yeah, no, it, it's true. Like, I, I don't like. I look at so much on a screen every day. I don't need. I, I don't want my book experience to also be on a screen. I tried the e-reader when they first came out. Like, I think one birthday I asked for a Nook um, when those first came, and it was like the one that actually looked like the paper, but mm-hmm. it, it just wasn't the same. I couldn't explain it. I dumped it real quick. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, the only thing I like about it is the the ability to highlight because that's what reminded me of it is mm. like, um, I really like the idea that I could highlight something in there. I also when I like a quote in a book, um, I will take a pencil or I'll make a note in my um, like I have like a running list of quotes in like my iPhone that I'll just like keep like a note of and just quotes like that. So that one was in the woman of the commodification of women is in my note, my notepad right now. But this was fantastic. Um, I'm gonna let so you go great. carry on with your day, but um, I'm so happy we talked. We're, we're we're definitely gonna have to. I would I would propose that we kind of do like here and there, like a what are you reading and what is it teaching you? Yeah, type thing. Let's the, do the it. The beauty the beauty of of our show, and this is something I've really come to love recently, and I hope our listeners feel the same way. Is no matter what we talk about that week, we're still two broads from Brooklyn. Like we could be talking <laughs> about like we're, you know what I mean. Like we could be talking about like astrology. We could talk about something that has nothing to do with New York, but it's always going to be the most accurate title because we are still <laughs> you know what Brooklyn. I you know what I read somewhere, and I don't know if this is true, so maybe we can figure it out after the show and report back to y'all. But um, I read that if you read a lot, it tends to help accents like dissipate. Really? 
Yeah. Oh, that would explain a lot about me. Same. Right. So I'm just we'll do some more research on that and let you guys know for sure. But I'm we'll have a bunch of book polls and stuff for you out uh, this week, I think. But yeah, let's let's uh, let's keep it uh, rolling along. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's uh, do this again next week. Hell yeah. All right. Well, I'm Anna. I'm Cola. We're two broads from Brooklyn. Thanks for listening.